Hugh Jackson is expected to be the new Grambling head coach. Hersey Miller enters the transfer portal, and we have today's edition of Feature Friday. Oh yeah, it's Locked On HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked On HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, family? It is Friday, so whether you're going into your last day of work or just enjoying this beautiful day, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day. And of course, this is Locked On HBCU, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And me? I'm Darian Gray, a.k.a. The Mouth of the South, a Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor. And today's episode of the Locked On HBCU podcast is brought to you by NetSuite. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. Head to NetSuite.com slash LockedOnNCAA for special end-of-the-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. And today, we're going to be talking about another NFL transplant into a historical black college and university. And that's Hugh Jackson, reportedly, because I want to say that because we're recording this on Thursday night going into Friday, and all signs are pointing to the projected 10 a.m. press conference by Grambling to announce Hugh Jackson being the head coach. Nothing's, nothing's done. There's still some people in the running. There's even a guy in the running who is also, I think, either a favorite or one of the top guys for the Prairie View head coaching position. But we're going to go with Hugh Jackson. We're going to focus on that because this is a rather rather fast-developing story. On Wednesday, it was reported that Jackson was Grambling's top choice. And then later on on Wednesday, it was immediately announced that, well, now he has it. That's going to, that's going to be the guy. He's going to be the coach. And it was something that really was rapid. It was rapid. It wasn't one of those things where you heard about it. It festered for a little bit. And then finally it was, yeah, this was it. So it wasn't really much time to have rumors and murmurs. Now there's names in there like Kevin Sumlin, who was a guy who is projected to be in the top running for Prairie View as well. And then Ray Lewis. Ooh. Now, no no, no shot to Hugh Jackson, but looking at what Prime, a Hall of Famer, one of the greatest at his position, or the greatest at his position, if we're going to be, if we just, we just speaking, and I can get Ray Lewis. I, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know if I would have been able to resist myself and see if I can get that same allure. No, Ray isn't the personality that Dion is, but he is definitely a personality. And he is definitely respected by all the kids the age that you're going to be recruiting. I, I, I wouldn't have been able to resist. And who knows? Maybe in the final hour it will be that way. So you'll be listening to this Thursday morning or Friday morning, as this being recorded Friday night, some things might change. However, as of right now, I don't think that fans should be that mad about Hugh Jackson. I don't know what the reaction will be, but I think I think that some people might look at his tenure and where he was in Cleveland and Oakland and how those those stops ended and why that's a reason to be kind of not excited. Him. However, I don't believe that he should be ostracized from the head coaching club, especially not on the collegiate level. 
ostracized was the word of the day. And quick, quick little note about that. I actually skipped ostracized. And I've been doing the, the wrong day of the week. So I just ran it back and did ostracized on Friday. Because technically I was supposed to use, um, what did I use yesterday? Rankle. I was supposed to use rankle today. But un un unfortunately I, I forgot it. I skipped over it. So now we're back with ostracized. So that's the word of the day. And we're going to be talking about Jackson because I don't want to just focus on his head coaching time. I want to talk about his time as an assistant. He was an assistant with the Bengals, the Raiders, the Washington football team, Atlanta, Baltimore. So he's worked around with a lot of different offenses and quarterbacks. He is most likely known for the Cleveland Browns and Oakland Raiders head coaching time, unfortunately, though. So when he was coaching the Browns, it was rough. We know what happened with him and Baker Mayfield because... After he left and went to the Bengals, Baker Mayfield had this whole thing about you're either with us or against us. It was it was a big deal. So I get how that time in Cleveland would make the Graham fam say, that guy, that's the guy you picked. But let me tell you this. NFL success rate does not necessarily translate to college and college success rate does not necessarily translate to the NFL. And what I mean by that is. I don't care what you did on the other side of things because they're two completely different styles of coaching. You look at Nick Saban. Nick Saban was bad in Miami. Couldn't win that well. Steve Spurrier, failure in the league. Dennis Erickson won multiple national championships and then flamed out at multiple places. So let's really focus on Erickson because he flamed out at multiple places, yet he was able to win championships. So what do I mean by this? What do I mean when I say Nick Saban, Steve Spurrier, Dennis Erickson? Am I trying to say that Hugh Jackson is those guys will have that type of success on the collegiate level? No, I'm not projecting that. However, I'm saying most people would write off his ability to even achieve and attain success on the collegiate level because they saw him fail at the pro level. That's not fair. I just don't think that you should conflate the two. I don't think that you should sit there and you should say, man, we made a terrible decision because... After parting ways with the Browns, he was out of coaching altogether for a little bit. And a couple of years later, he ended up on Eddie George's staff. One-year contract, so it wasn't the thing that was supposed to be long. But he was on Tennessee State's coaching staff. And this could help in the recruiting process. Let me tell you, recruiting isn't for everybody. There's a lot of people who... Let's talk about Joe Brady from the Carolina Panthers, right? We know that he went to the Saints, and then he went to LSU for a year, and then he went to the Carolina Panthers. And a lot of people have been you know, saying that he might go back to the college ranks, and he may, that may be the case, but also a lot of people say he doesn't want to because he hates recruiting. So recruiting is not for everybody. And once you get a little taste of that, he wasn't even an offensive coordinator. He was just an assistant, and he was able to realize that recruiting is not something that he likes. So you look at Jackson's one year in Tennessee State, then you see a guy who has experienced recruiting, so he understands what that is, in any experience, though as minor and as short as it may be, is still an experience. It still happened. It doesn't matter how slight it is because now you know a little bit more about recruiting because it's not a skill that everybody has. It's not a skill that you become a coach and it's just snap your fingers and now I can recruit well. That's not how that works. We'll see what Jackson's recruiting you know, abilities are if he gets this job. But overall, I want to end it off with a good note for Graham Fam. Because forget the recruiting, forget what he's done in the league. Let's look at what he did at Tennessee State and how that can apply to Grambling and why they should be excited. Because at Tennessee State, 
He was the fifth-ranked scoring offense and fifth-ranked total offense while being second in passing offense. This year, Grambling was at the bottom of the barrel in the SWAT, ranking dead last both. If you guys remember a couple of weeks ago on my episodes when we were previewing the Bayou Classic, we discussed the struggles that Grambling had been having. This is the type of coach who has proven himself, especially on the collegiate ranks, to be able to go into a new system for his first year and turn things around and have them be much more efficient and put up more points and get more yards. All things that Grambling struggled with this year. So that's the type of that's the type of improvement that Grambling should really be looking for. And I think it's something that Hugh Jackson can truthfully bring. So, Grand fam, do not sit here and be disappointed. You got you a good coach. And as we continue to go forward, we're going to talk about Hersey Miller and his decision to transfer out of Tennessee State on the basketball side of things. So we're going to be talking about that and why it just doesn't sit right with me. But first, let's talk a minute about kicking things up a notch for the big game, the grand stage, the Super Bowl. In Super Bowl 56, as SoFi is less than 100 days away and on location, the official hospitality partner of the NFL is the only place to score a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package to the big game. You can select your exact seats, choose from elite experience such as a pregame celebration with college stars turned legends, Troy Aikman. You don't have to just hear him on the TV. You can go play with him now. Marcus Allen, Tim Brown, Akbar Jabila Mila, and more. Plus accommodations at a five-star LA hotel and food at the great by the Great Wolf Gang Puck. So you get a nice place to stay, meet some good people, and you get to eat some good food. Visit onlocationexp.com slash SB56 for more information or search Super Bowl on location. That's onlocationexp.com slash SB56 or search Super Bowl on location. We trying to look so far and so far. This is it. The putt to win the tournament, you sink it and the championship is yours. But on the backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. The number one cloud financial system to power your growth has visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budgeting, and more all in one place. I hate having to go everywhere for everything I need. When it's all there, it's better for me. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time. And 93% of surveyed businesses increase their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. 27,000 businesses are already using this. And right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program to those who are really ready to upgrade at NetSuite.com slash LockedOnNCAA. Head to netsuite.com slash LockedOnNCAA for special end-of-the-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. That's netsuite.com slash NCAA. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Locked On HBCU. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day. And we're discussing Hersey Miller's transfer from Tennessee State basketball. And this one is a little bit difficult for me to discuss because I'm confused and I'm kind of conflicted. And I I don't really know how I feel or how I really want to feel on this one. It's difficult because 
Hershey Miller is leaving Tennessee State after only three games. He's having a season-ending knee injury that's going to keep him out. And it's it's hard because Hershey going to, to Tennessee State was a pretty big move. And for those who don't know, Hershey Miller is the son of rap legend Percy Miller, a.k.a. Master P, and someone I have a lot of respect and, and, and honestly, in my opinion, one of the, one of the greatest people in Southern hip-hop history. So not just from his music, but also from his business standpoint, I just have a lot of respect for him and everything that he tries to accomplish. So that's why it's partially difficult for me to say this because I love P, but I hope I'm not pandering when I say what I'm about to say. And if I am, you guys tell me, you know, I'm on Twitter at South Exclusives. Anytime you want to say anything about the podcast, just tell me right there. But I think this is something that Miller should have seen through. Miller being Hersey. I just call him Hersey and P, just so there's no confusion from now on. But I think this is something that Hersey should have saw through. I think that he should stay at Tennessee State. He knew what he was doing. He knew what this move meant. And I kind of feel like he's abandoning Tennessee State. I kind of feel like he's abandoning HBCUs. And I don't I don't want I don't want to make it sound like we just we need Percy Miller's son. But they did set out to do something, and I feel like they're leaving that goal completely unfulfilled. And I don't really feel like they put the proper steps forward to filling that. I do think it was a joint decision. I think that P has a lot to do with why Hersey is leaving right now. Um, I think it's a business move. And I think he understands that if you're not seen at an HBCU, it's a lot different than not being seen at a power, power five school. I don't know if he didn't know this before, or maybe he just thought he was going to be seen immediately. But in the three games that Hersey Miller was a part of Tennessee State, I'm also noticing that the Texas Southern Emmy won't allow me to call Tennessee State TSU. I, I'm, I've noticed that the more that I've talked about them, it's just difficult. It just does not naturally roll off my tongue. But um, Tennessee State, baby, you know what it is. Tennessee State, they only played him 11 minutes in the three games that he played, 11 minutes per game on average. So he didn't really get a lot of PT. And I think that that made, I think that made Percy just feel like, I have to get him out of here. It's time for me to go. That's not the right move because, A, it was only three games into the season. So things could have changed as the season went on. And then, B, he didn't play enough games. He's probably going to be a redshirt. So he still has four years of eligibility. There's more than enough time for that to change next year. He was a freshman just coming in. I just I just did not feel like that was the move. Now, granted, that is not what P, because he's the one who gave a statement, that's not what he said the reason is. However, I feel like that's the reason. That's what I think it is because, yes, he got an NIL before he before he even came to Tennessee State. However, P is a businessman, and he understands the best thing for his business right now and the business of his son is probably to go to somewhere with more eyes. But my problem is he said he was bringing the eyes to HBCUs. That's what Percy, that's what P. Miller said, all right? That's what he said. But I really think that's what it is. Now, the reason he actually said it was, was HBCUs need to improve funding to have their medical services look more like these major college basketball programs. And the reason I think that's just a load of crap 
is because you knew what it was before you got there. You knew exactly what the funding was like. That's part of the reason that you going there was such a big deal. I hope he didn't think that everything was equal at these schools and he just decided to go somewhere else because that's so far from the truth. And I, I respect Percy way too much to believe that he did not at least educate himself on the monetary gaps between these big time schools and the HBCUs. I don't care that they don't play in the in the in the in the uh in the SWAT. I don't care. They are still an HBCU that do, that does not get funded at the same level as a Kentucky, as a Duke, as an LSU, as a UCLA. Those last two were two schools that he said that he didn't play much. Excuse me. P said that Hersey didn't play much, but those schools are still recruiting him. He had those offers coming in. So it was it was a situation where he chose to go to an HBCU. It wasn't just a, well, ain't nobody really trying to. No, people wanted you, and he chose to go there. It was great. But come on, P. In the, in the words of Rich the Kid, you knew what it was when you psyched up. HBCUs do not have the same level of funding. But this is what you said. This is what you said. So this, this is the reason I don't even know why he brought up that funding and why I think it's not good. But this was his quote. This is so big. Excuse me. This was his quote when he was when he was sending Hersey to Tennessee State. So this before any games were played. I think this was before he even actually enrolled. But he said, this is so big for the culture. With my son going to an HBCU and going to Tennessee State, this is going to change the narrative. This is about economic empowerment and teaching that and being able to make sure that these HBCUs are in the spotlight. I think this is a movement. I think so many kids behind him will be coming to do this now. I'm talking about top athletes like Hersey. What happened to that? What happened to the economic empowerment? You saw that the economic what you saw that the economic status was not empowered and then you left? I thought that's what you were trying to do. And even if you want to look at it and say, oh, you're not getting the spotlight, I thought that's what you were trying to do. I'm confused. I'm conflicted because leaving because the, the medical services are not good is completely a logical and reasonable reason to say I'm going to transfer schools. However, he's saying that like he didn't know it already. And that's what's difficult. That's what confuses me. But I'm conflicted because it's like, man, I have a season-ending knee injury. Hershey says he tried to play through the pain. So who knows what the process was through that. I'm an outside guy looking in. So I get it. I don't want my son somewhere where he's not taken care of. However, you knew that those medical numbers were not going to, or the medical funds were not going to be there. So what are you really talking about? It's hard for me to believe that's why you're leaving. What happened to changing the narrative? What happened to being big for the culture? Those things that were supposed to matter and you left, you abandoned after three games. Please don't sit here and think, I think we just absolutely need Hersey Miller to establish HBCU athletics. However, if you're saying that this is what you're going to do, I don't feel like you gave yourself ample enough time to even try to get it done. Were you just feeding me a load of crap? Did you change your mind? What happened? I respect, the, I respect the mess out of P. Understand that. I respect the mess out of Master P. I just need some answers because this is confusing. It doesn't really line up to me.
Now, as we go forward with Locked On HBCU, we're going to be talking about our feature Friday and we're highlighting. No, not telling you guys, not doing the spoiler, not this time. I'm not with it. But what I am with is Built Bar. I'm talking about that protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, even better than some of the candy bars, but they're rich in protein, but low in all those other unhealthy things. So you got the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy. So many flavors that you should never choose if you want raspberry or cookies and cream. You should just get them both. Built Bar is going to give you that fuel for if you're walking through the mall trying to get your shopping done or if you're standing in line because those can be tiring. They're just going to give you that extra fuel that you're missing. So people get passionate about their favorite flavors. So in the name of peace and love, don't bring it up unless you want to fight over the, the, the Built Bar. Tell Santa to throw three, four, five into somebody's stocking and they can dip it into some hot chocolate and that will give the beverage a nice little different taste. And if you love those marshmallowy treats that are around the holiday time, get you Built Bar Puffs. They're light, fluffy, and marshmallowy through and through with different flavors covered in chocolate. And as always, we're going to give you a whole lot of protein. Go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your offer. That's Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your offer. All right, family, as we wrap up today's episode of Locked On HBCU, it's the last day of the week, so you know what that means. And that means it is Feature Friday, where we highlight one person, place, event, thing. And today we're highlighting Norfolk State quarterback Jawan Carter. Yes, the same guy that I spoiled when talking about the HBCU Legacy Bowl and the MEAC Offensive Player of the Year. He also is my spotlight player today and I didn't want to spoil him for a second time within a singular week so we're talking about him and who is Jawan Carter what would you say if you had to sum him up in one word legend Norfolk State Spartan legend because this year he had a fantastic season resulted in the offensive player of the year and also he's the all-time leader in nearly every single passing statistic that Norfolk could offer but this year was really like the cherry on top for him. And honestly, I think this was the thing that really cemented his legacy status. I feel like without this year, you might be able to question, he'd still be one of the best quarterbacks that Norfolk has had in, at their school. But this year really cemented his status for a couple of reasons. This is why he became a Norfolk State legend. Because A, it allowed him to have all of the records. So he's now the leader in passing yards, passing touchdowns, passing completion, things like that. So it's like, okay, when the record book says in, we're in context passes, you're going to sit there and say, oh, Jawan Carter put up nearly 10,000 yards? Oh, he put up 70 touchdowns through the air? Oh, that Jawan Carter guy was all right, man. I wish I would have seen him play. Those are things that you're not going to say about him because legends live on like that. I, I, I didn't watch Jim Brown, but I can sit there and be like, man, I wish I would have watched Jim Brown play. I didn't get this. I didn't live through Jerry Rice, but I should be like, man, I wish I could see Jerry Rice light it up during that shortened season. Like how he scored many touchdowns in that short period of time. It's things like that, that when you're talking about legends, those type of things live on even when you don't get to see them. And people will say that about Jawan Carter when looking at Norfolk, like, yeah, that guy who, who was there from 2017 and ended his career in 2021. He was one of those guys. Now, the second way he was able to secure his legend status was 
He chose Norfolk again. It would have been easy. He had a really good 2019 season. Actually, one of the season, this was one of the seasons that put him into the record books on at least the leaderboards, not number one, but on the in the record books for the MIAC. So this was one of those years. He had already been in the record books for a couple for another thing. So when you look at I'm trying not to spoil it because I am going to talk about all the things that he was in. Um, and I got a bad habit of jumping ahead of myself. But he was coming off of back-to-back seasons, but especially that 2019 season where he was appealing to somebody else. But he chose Norfolk again because this is a time when you have a new director of athletics, you have a new head coach coming in, and, and Carter's coming off the hot season, man. No one would have blamed him if he said, I don't want to go through a possible rebuild situation. I liked my coach. He left. I would have really liked to keep some stability. Let me go somewhere new where I know I'm going to be the starting quarterback, but I also know that they have some stability within the, the, the program. I don't think anybody would have blamed him. I wouldn't have blamed him. Now, I do think the quality of the coach being Dawson, uh, Dawson Odoms did play a factor because He's had so much success in the swag. He comes to the school. It's a respected guy. I think you could trust him before even having him coach you that things were going to be all right this year. And, of course, they wanted things to go better. And they say you can see that on his face anytime he speaks about the season, that you just wish it would have went differently, especially at the tail end of the year when he had back-to-back loss. You just wish things were different. But all in all, when you're looking at him isolated and who he is, he chose that. There's a reason that I have a special affinity for my players who go to my favorite college because you chose to go there. You chose to be a part of this school. Now, when you're in a professional aspect, that money, the draft, these things are things that make you go there. But all in all, man, at college, you just went there for the love of it all. And I have a special affinity for that. And for the second time in his career, he chose Norfolk State. And I, I, I don't know if that means anything to anybody else, but that does mean something to me. It holds weight with me at, at the worst. So I'll say this, Carter, that's something else that you did that I, I respect on a whole nother level. And it does make you a Norfolk legend as well as having all of those records. So let's look at what he's done also on a MEAC level. We're going to see him at an HBCU Legacy Bowl, and I cannot wait. I'm trying to get there on location yeah, I'm not talking about SoFi and SoFi, but make sure you go check them out. I'm also trying to get to the HBCU Legacy Bowl on location because this is something that I really want to see all of these players, and this is the guy that I'm especially excited to watch because when you look at him, he ranks high in the MEAC record books with achievements that are on the game level, the season level, and the career level. And they aren't quite up to date, but they are added up until 2019 and he has a couple of a couple of stats that actually make it there in that time frame and if you look at his stats from the Norfolk uh, sports website the athletics website excuse me then you can see where he will land within the MEAC making sure they I guess they got to vet those those numbers and everything especially after celebration bowl I think you'll start seeing those numbers pile in but when you look at it he has 467 yards versus Morgan State in 2018. That's the eighth most passing yards in the game in MEAC history by any MEAC player. He has 23 touchdown passes in 2019, which also ties for eighth. These are the two stats that I didn't really want to get into because it's like, oh, man. Uh, 
I want to say them later, and it's going to spoil it if I tell you right now. But then also, through his career, he has 70 touchdown passes through the air, which will rank third. Like I said, they haven't updated it at all. And he also has over 9,000 yards, which is going to rank extremely high when looking at everything that he's accomplished within that conference. How can you not say that this guy is a legend? This guy is one of the best quarterbacks that we have seen within the conference and achieved everything. He's done, he's done it through the air. He's done it on the ground. And what I thought was special was when you look at those stats, especially the one with the most yards per game or in a game in the season touchdown passes, he was the only guy who was within the tens. Everybody was in the thousands, you know, or the 2000, you know, double O's. And I thought that was important because this has become a more and more of a passing game. So for him to be the only quarterback who had done that within the last 10 years, I thought that was really monumental. And it spoke about even with the game changing, he's doing something that's on a whole nother level. So those first two, Regardless if he would have left or not, he still would have had the most eighth most passing yards in the game and eighth more pa- eighth most passing touchdowns within a season. But getting the seventy touchdowns, getting the nine nine thousand yards, those are the type of things that put him higher and put him more on the MEAC leaderboard. And you got to respect him. You have to respect him because this guy has been absolutely phenomenal. We can't wait to see him in the HBCU Legacy Bowl, and we cannot wait to see what he does on his professional career going forward. You know, another thing I can't wait for, I can't wait for Monday, man, because I love talking to you guys. I had a blast today on today's Feature Friday, and I can't wait for Monday to show up so I can talk to you guys again. We can talk. We can chat. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day. As next week goes in, we're going to be talking about the Celebration Bowl. That's South Carolina State versus Jackson State. We're going to be talking about that throughout the week. So expect to see that mixed in on multiple days and just different players to watch, different storylines, different breakdowns of the team because that will be sprinkled all through those five days as we prepare for the biggest game in the HBCU landscape every year, the Black National Championship. We call it the Celebration Bowl now. And for your second listen, go check out Locked On Bets, man. I don't know what you're doing if you're not listening to Locked On Bets. It's your daily one-stop shop for all of your gambling needs. Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. And in the meantime, in between time, and it will be a lot of between time, go to that blue app, the bird, Twitter, and look for me at South Exclusives. Until the next time we catch each other, family, take care and stay blessed. Peace.